I'm so glad to be back in church today. If you don't know who I am, by the way, I'm Pastor Derek. Everybody calls me PD, and so you can just, that's kind of the uh, common term around here, and I'm good with that. And I'm just, anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Can't wait to kind of kick off the new year with you. Been kind of, you know, stewing and brewing on something, and I got it out in the first service, and I can't wait to spit it on you right now. But uh, we're starting a new series called 2020 Vision. See how we did that? And uh, 2020 vision, right. There's going to be a lot of puns about perfect vision uh, this year. I can't wait to see what happens. Anyway, okay, some of you got that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. One more, one more story about vision, okay, because I can't help myself. I always open with stories. Uh, so there's this guy. He's, he's about 90 years old. He's been a, you know, a golf aficionado. He's, like, been doing it his whole life really good. Comes home one day from golfing, and he's like, that's it, honey, I'm done putting up my golf clubs, can't do this anymore. Um, And the reason being, I can't see after I hit the ball. I don't know where it is. And she's like, she's making coffee. It's okay, honey. She brings over coffee. She's like, honey, you you love golf. You can't give up golf. Why don't you call your older brother, Norman? And so he's 90 and Norman's 99. So he's like, why would I call him? Well, because honey, he has perfect vision. He still has perfect vision. He's like, really? Okay, I'll call my brother. So he calls his brother. He says, hey, would you be willing to go golfing with me? I can still hit the ball. You can see where it's going. Combo, you know, and let's see what happens. And so he goes with him. And sure enough, he gets ready, drives, bam, hits that ball. He could tell it was a great shot, but he has no idea where it went. So he goes, Norm, do you see my ball? He goes, absolutely. I have great vision. Of course I can see. I can see. I can see. I can see. He goes, where is it? He goes, I forget. Okay, okay. So in this series, we're going to unpack like different areas of our life that we need vision for. A vision for our relationships like friendships and our family and uh, our physical lives, uh, our future. Um, I was going to say and any other F word, but that doesn't work in church. Uh, Anyway, um, I should pray before we start. Anyway, <laughs> today's message, though, is uh, we're going to talk about where vision really begins. Because a lot of times when, we, when we're out there trying to solve a problem, we, we sometimes know that we have to go back to the beginning to solve the problem. Like if you're one of those CSI guys, one of those like criminal minds people, you know, how many other criminal minds followers? Okay, there's probably more yeah, followership there than there is Jesus in this room. But anyway... <laughs> Um, but, but you know, to solve the crime, you got to like go back to the beginning. You know, it, it, it's like those, it, it frustrates me when people say, you know, when you lose your keys, you, you know, and the person comes to you and you're like, I lost my keys. Have you seen them? They go, where was the last place you left them? <laughs> you know, that's why I'm going to be like, what? If I knew that. But no, but ultimately, if you're going to find your keys, you got to go like kind of back to the beginning, like where your day started, when you started the car. You got to go back to the beginning. But with, with vision for our lives, for our new year, for our future, we have this tendency to just like forge ahead, take off, run in and gun in. We don't even know where we're going. We're like, oh, let's go. Take the hill. We don't know what we're doing. What hill? What's at the top? We have... In God, we have a destiny. Destinies have to have destinations. It's connected. You got to know where you're going. You got to know, the, it's like the path. Where does this road lead? 
Otherwise, it's, you're just going to get to some crazy places. And so a lot of people get derailed, distracted, offline, messed up, jacked up because they don't have a clear vision. Is everybody with me right now? Yeah. Helen Keller said this. She said the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. A blind person said that just in case you don't know who she is, okay? Now, the Bible says, Proverbs 29, 18, it's our theme text. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. It's, so you get in trouble. You get offline, off track, if you don't have a clear vision. So I want to give you the big idea right away, because I got a lot I want to say. But basically, to get clear uh, vision for your life, to not cast off restraint, to not get off track offline, your vision is connected. Here's your big idea. Your vision is connected to a fresh vision of Jesus. Amen. Some of you need a vision of Jesus in the first place. Some of you need a refresh of Jesus so your vision is connected to a vision of Jesus. Now, we're going to look at a, primarily, we're going to look at a character in the Bible that if you've read your Bible at all, especially the New Testament, this guy wrote two-thirds of it. His name is Paul, but he's formerly known Saul of Tarsus. And he's, uh, he's a really interesting character in the Bible. He, is, he was a zealot before he met Christ. He was a zealot afterwards. It's something about him that I, that I just really, really like. But we're going to read this text from the Bible together, and I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet because I'm going to read this, read this portion of text right out loud to you because I'm going to unpack and exegete this whole text. I'll read it. You listen. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. Can you show me Acts 9? Here we go. It says, then Saul, he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Saul is a bad dude, okay? Now, what's cool about God is God loves bad people because he knows bad people who get saved, come to know God, become great Christians. Can I have an amen? And so I like this character because he was passionate and assertive about what he believed. He was all in. He was all in. And so he was all in before. And he's even more all in after he meets Jesus. So that's what this story is all about. Is everybody with me? So Saul, he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He's persecuting Christians. He's murdering, killing, uh, persecuting Christians. In fact, he's going, and you'll see this in a second, he's going to get letters to get more, more permission to do more damage. So um, went to, he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone who were of the way, people who were of the way were Christ followers because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Remember that, John 14, 6? There you go. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He's on this road, on this road to this town, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he falls, he falls to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's interesting that Jesus is speaking from heaven to Saul, and he's saying, why are you persecuting me? When, when Saul was persecuting the church, because Jesus sees the church and Jesus as the same. It'd be like one of you making fun of or, or persecuting my wife. It's the same as persecuting me. Does it make sense or vice versa? Okay? And so he says, who are you, Lord? 
Then the Lord said to him, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You're going up against my will. So trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men journeyed with him, and they stood speechless, hearing this voice, but seeing no one. It's amazing. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He couldn't see. He was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Nor was there a cer- now there was a certain disciple at Damascus. His name was Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a dream or in a vision, Ananias. He said, I'm here. He said, I arise and go to the street called Straight. This is the street to Damascus. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul. He's there. He's praying. And in a vision he's seen a man, and you're, you're the dude. And, and coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. So Paul, Saul, excuse me, had a vision that Ananias was going to come and lay hands on him, and then he'd get his sight back. And, he, and so then God has a vision for Ananias and tells him to do that. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard about this guy and, and how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on Paul, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately after that, he preached Christ in the churches, that is, about the Son of God. You may be seated. Isn't that amazing reading of the word? So here's, here's what's going on. Paul is, he is not a Christian in in the beginning of this story. He's a religious person, but he's not a Christ follower. And again, like I said, I kind of admire him because of his passion and his zeal that preceded. He was, he was an all in kind of dude. And I've looked at people many times and I've thought to myself, and you have too, I think, if you're a Christ follower, you've looked at people and said, man, if I could just get that guy saved, he would be, he would be incredible as a Christ follower. If I could get that girl saved, she'd be incredible as a Christ. I, I used to think this when I was like 25, I used to pray that I could lead Mariah Carey to Jesus. I did. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm like, man, if this girl gets saved, man, she is going to change the game for Jesus, right? Because she sings like an angel, right? So you've thought those kind of things. And it's because we know bad people who come to Christ make great Christians. There's something about that that I'm, I'm going to try to unpack in this message today. There's the before and after. There's the contrast. And there's an intersection to that contrast that's critical to your fellowship of Jesus Christ and your vision for your life. Is everybody with me right now? So back to the story. So Paul, he's on his way to do some more damage. And Jesus himself appears, reveals himself to, to Saul. And he's like, Saul, Saul, uh, why are you doing this? And, 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 and Saul's like, who are you? He gets a vision of Jesus. And, and really, in these moments, they're defining for him. He figures out who Jesus is, and he figures out what he's supposed to do with his life. All just like that. He has an encounter with Jesus, and he learns who he is, and he learns what he's supposed to do with his life. And he does it. Okay? And so he sees Jesus. So your vision is connected to your ability to see Jesus. It's not in your ability, but it is connected to that. Is everybody with me? 
Because many, why is this so relevant? Because I'm not on caffeine this morning, by the way. I'm just fired up. In case you're looking at me funny, I can see some of you like, wow. Uh, but I think many people are walking and living in their life at some level with spiritual blindness. You listening, you listening online, you listening in Framingham, at some level, you are experiencing a certain amount of spiritual blindness. And your vision is connected to a fresh vision, in some cases, a first-time vision of Jesus. I want you to have that revelation. Because after Paul, after Saul, and I say Saul, Paul, because before conversion, Saul of Tarsus was his name. After he receives a new name, his name is Paul. I think that's an outward sign, uh, this identity change but it was, uh, that God gave him. But it's also a way that he could reach the Gentiles, which I won't talk about. But after this defining experience, this moment that he has with Jesus, Saul does what many Christians don't do. Saul does a 180. He was persecuting Christians, murdering Christians, trying to bind up Christians and then he does a complete 180 and he's converting Christians, telling people about Jesus, building the local church, discipling people. But many Christians, quote unquote, encounter Jesus, receive Jesus, and they do a 360. And they go right back to their old life and quote unquote, they're saved, born again, Christ followers, converted. And I question that sometimes. I think the problem is some of us haven't had this vision of Jesus, this moment, this encounter with God in the first place. My daddy used to say, if it has a flaw, if it has a flaw at the first, a fizzle at the finish. See, the, perhaps the problem is you've said a prayer and asked Jesus into your heart. You wanted his forgiveness, but if you're still feeling guilty day after day, I'm not sure you met Jesus. Perhaps... You have a certain understanding that Jesus is your savior, but you're really struggling with fellowship because you haven't had an encounter with Jesus as Lord. Some of us uh, have not made him Lord of our life. Some of us are here and we're going day after day after day and we're struggling because you haven't had a vision of Jesus. That's why you don't have vision for your life. And I think there's hidden within this story certain secrets and truths that we can unpack and some other stories we'll unpack as well that will help you see Jesus and therefore follow him wholeheartedly because you saw him. Is everybody with me right now? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready, okay? All right, so I'm going to give you eight points in 23 minutes. How can I see Jesus? How can I see Jesus? The first thing you need to know to be able to see him so you can follow him, so you can have vision for your life is you must be born again to see him clearly. This is a doctrine of the New Testament that we will never wane from or veer from in Jesus' name. I believe this is so important to you listening online and you listening in other locations as well, and you in particular listening here. There are many here that I think, think, they're okay because you responded to an altar call one day somewhere, somehow. You raised your hand in a service. You said a prayer. I'm not saying you, you weren't saved, but some of you weren't saved from that. You think, you think, you weren't truly converted just because you said a prayer. This is going to be a little strong here this morning. Can I handle this? 
I hope you can handle this. Because until you have a vision of Jesus and who he really is, you see him. If you see who he is, you'll better see who you are in contrast to him. In other words, my ability to be converted is to realize that I was lost. I needed to be rescued. I was a sinner on death row. And, I, and this guy who was perfect, pure, majestic, awesome, came in and paid my debt and took my place. The revelation of that, the vision of that is what motivates you to live a faithful and faith-filled life. Can I have an amen out there? Your sin contrasted with his majesty and his perfection and his glory is what helps you see Jesus and get vision for your life. You must be born again. This is what the Bible calls new birth or, or spiritual birth. And, is a, and there's a big difference between being a religious person and being a true convert. Paul was a religious person. We don't need religion. We need true conversion. Can I have an amen out there? And so Paul said this, and he said, and he was different in how he came to faith than the traditional way. 1 Corinthians 15, 8 says, and at last of all, he appeared to me. He's talking about disciples and heavy hitters previously. And then he says, I'm a little different. He said, as to one abnormally born. Paul didn't, uh, didn't follow, some of you won't know this, but Romans Road. He didn't, he didn't confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He just said, who are you? I am Jesus. What do you want me to do? And he did it. He was converted because he had a revelation and a vision of Jesus. He wasn't born normal way, the traditional way. He was abnormally born. But this is what I think God wants to say to you. And God wants to say to you, I don't care how you were born, just that you were born again. People who are born again live their life differently after they see Jesus. Did you see Jesus? And if you did, you'll live differently after that. Can I have an amen? amen. And so some of you... Might not be okay. You think you're okay. I, this is a verse that used to crush me as a young person. It says something. Many will say to me on that day when you stand before God, that day meaning the day of judgment, uh, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? And did we not do that in your name? Did we not do this and that? Did I not go to connect? Was I not in a small group? Did I not go on a mission trip? Oh, he said, I, I don't care about that. I didn't. Depart from me. I didn't even know you. See, it comes down to not religion, but relationship. And we can't just say something and it not be manifest in reality. Okay, is everybody with me? So I'm, I'm still of the, I still believe in the traditional uh, way to get people saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I believe that. But listen, we say something, we have to believe it. Then a sign that we, what we said we believed is we tell somebody about it and we live it out. It's quiet in this Catholic church right now, but I'm, I'm coming. I'm still coming. I'm still coming, okay? So what I'm trying to get you to say is God is looking for, and I'm encouraging you, the first point to see Jesus is a changed life, a change of direction. No more, one, no more 360s. We're doing 180s in Jesus' name. Now, the result of, of being born of the Spirit, not of the flesh, born of the Spirit, which we do by grace through faith, is number two. You want to do what God says, and then you're going to see what God sees. When you start to obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Old Sunday school song. For you to see and get vision, there's an obedience that's, 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 that's responsibility for us as Christians. Paul 
Paul didn't need, when he confessed Jesus, he didn't have anybody following up with him from the church saying, are you ready to get baptized? Um, we beg you, please come and get baptized, Paul. Paul, are you ready to learn how to win people to Jesus and read your Bible and teach the word and build a local? Nobody had to follow up on Paul. He was a true convert and he was totally different after that. And he just, he just said in so many words, verse six, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That was the response to when he saw Jesus. Is everybody with me? I think sometimes we're following up on people who are never really truly converted in the first place. I'm not saying that people don't need encouragement, and I don't want you to throw the baby out with the bathwater on me. I think we've just, we've just swung the pendulum too far the other way. We should see a changed life if we met Jesus in the first place. We have a vision of Jesus. There's a moment where we contrast our life to his. There's a moment of not information exchange, but a transformation where you experience the grace that you didn't deserve, but he gave you. And you accepted that. And it does something to you. You know, years ago, I've told the story and I'll do it in a nutshell before, but years ago, I, I, I prayed the prayer when I was six years old. I responded to more quote-unquote altar calls than I can count. And the reason I responded to so many altar calls was because I didn't believe I was truly saved. So I kept, oh, I just need Jesus. I need Jesus again. And so I didn't understand the once and for all sacrifice that Jesus made for me. I didn't understand that. But I also, I didn't have that true revelation of what he did, so I didn't change my life. So I went right back 360, doing it again and again and again. Is everybody with me right now? But when I was, when I was about 16 years old, I was dating this girl. Her name was Noelle. And I, I was struggling inside with the duplicity of my life. I was, I was a supposed Christian, but I wasn't living the life. I was ashamed. She not only did not know I was a Christian, and I dated her for a year and a half, she didn't know my daddy was a pastor. I was ashamed of my faith. I was ashamed of Jesus, and I'm ashamed to say that. And I can remember just this, this war within me. I'm like, that's it. I've got to tell her. And I, and I, but I didn't have the motivation. I didn't have the boldness. Honestly, I didn't have the revelation yet. And so I went to her house, and, she, and I called her up and said, I need to talk to you about something. I just, I'm going to put it out there so I don't chicken out. I'm gonna talk. And she says, no, 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 I, I, before you talk to me, I need to talk to you about something. I said, you don't understand. This is really important. I need to talk to you. She goes, no, you don't understand. It's really important. I need to talk to you first. So I get there, being the gentleman that I am, I said, okay, go ahead. She, says, she goes, Derek, you know that my dad and my mom got divorced, right? You know, that was a bad deal, yep. And you know, my dad ran off with another woman. She was a prostitute at one time and ran off with, with her. I said, yeah, did you know that she cheated on him and ran off with other people? And that fact, that she's actually got back out on the street again as a prostitute. I said, no, I didn't know that. She said, well, while she was out on the street, she encountered a zealous, on fire, fully devoted Christian who came up to her and shared Christ and his grace for her that was sufficient in spite of her mistakes in her past, and he led her to Jesus Christ, and she got saved. And then she went back to my dad, repented for, the, for misleading, for the poor life and the poor example, and she said, but you need what I have, and she led my dad to Jesus, and he got converted. And then my dad, because of what happened to him and what he experienced in the encounter that he had with Christ for himself as a result of this, he came to me, and he told me about Jesus, and I realized that I needed a Savior, and I got saved, and I'm here to tell you, you need to get saved. And she said, can I pray with you to receive Jesus? And she did. And you know what? After that, she said, what did you want to talk to me about? I said, oh, never mind. <laughs> but I went home 
in my car. And I wept. It's, it's like 35 years ago, you know. I can still remember the shame and the embarrassment that my girlfriend would lead me to Jesus and I'm supposedly a Christian. It's because I hadn't seen Jesus yet and I hadn't been truly converted yet. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, son, I love you. My grace is sufficient for this. I've called you. I'm going to do a mighty work through you. But you have to say, who is Jesus to you? And then you have to say, what do you want me to do? And I did. I said, Jesus, I see you. And I'm, I don't deserve your grace and mercy based on what I've been given. I don't deserve this opportunity. But I'm never going to be ashamed of you after this. And as God is my witness, I have never been ashamed of Jesus from that day forward. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've done some things wrong, but I've never been ashamed of Jesus, and I've never been ashamed to share my faith because I saw Jesus, and I saw his grace for me and his mercy for me. I saw his hand, even through my mistakes, that he would come to me like that in that way. It's powerful. When Paul saw Jesus, he saw who he really was, and he saw how good God really is. And he was never the same after that. For you to be saved, you need a revelation of who Jesus is and who you are in contrast to that. And God later, of course, we know, changed him, changed his name, changed his direction, changed his purpose, all of that. And he was as a result of that fresh vision, that real vision, he was able to be obedient his whole ministry. In Acts chapter 26, the latter part of his ministry, it says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul remained obedient, but I believe it's because of where it all began. It began with a fresh, a real, an encounter, and a revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you with me out there, everybody? Yeah. When you really see him, you can be faithful to him. You know, the disciples, when they were out on the water in this torrent, in the storm, Jesus is on the sideline watching. He sees him rowing like crazy. He walks out to them. They see him. They think he's a ghost. Peter speaks out and says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus only said one word, and Peter jumped out of the boat. He just said, come, and Peter came. He didn't have to be coerced. He didn't have to be, you know, manipulated. He didn't have to have a bunch of, a bunch of pontification. He just, he just jumped out of the boat and began to walk. And as long as Peter's eyes were on Jesus, what was humanly impossible became possible. Because he had a fresh, because he had a focus, because he had a vision, because he could see Jesus, he could seemingly do the impossible. Some of you are trying to do things in your own strength, and you're trying to do things in your own ability, but you need to go back to Jesus. You need a vision of Jesus, a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. To the extent that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the conditions and the circumstances and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the waters that were all around him, that's when he began to sink. Some of you, it's the same way. You have been on top of things in your life that now you're sinking in. At one time, you were on top of those old habits and those, those addictions and those patterns of the flesh, but you're now sinking again. It's because you need a fresh vision of Jesus in 2020. Can I have an amen right now? You need to come back. You need to just do what he says. You need to get your eyes back on Jesus because without vision, the people perish. This is why so many people are defeated. 
because they're taking their eyes. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The things that you were once on top of that now you're, that's a sign to you that you need a vision of Jesus. Number three, write this down. What else can I do to see Jesus? You must humble yourself. Acts chapter nine, verse four. Saul, it says, he fell to the ground. I believe he was on his horse. I believe he fell off his horse and got on his face. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He got off his horse. He, got, he fell to the ground. He humbled himself. Why? Because I think Paul was full of pride, and that's why he couldn't see Jesus. When you're proud, you're, you, you're not personal anymore. And God is a personal God who wants to connect with you in a personal way. But when you're proud, you do not experience personal emotions towards others, and you're definitely not going to receive the personal custom words from God to yourself. Because of pride. Paul was all about what he knew, not who he knew. Sometimes we don't see God because we, we elevate our intellect above our intimacy with God. Our pride blinds us to his love and to experience and to encounter with him. And so we need to humble ourselves. In Mark chapter 6, this is a familiar passage to some of us, but basically the, the, Jesus was raised in an area where people knew him as a boy. And now he's doing all these mighty works and mighty signs. And they're basically saying, wait, 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 isn't this the guy? He's talking to all these people and people are amazed. And, and the family and the friends in the community are like, wait a minute. Isn't he the son of, wasn't he friends with, isn't he in that family? And the Bible says they were offended. And it says, later it says, they were offended. And because of their unbelief in who Jesus was, he could not do many miracles. The Son of God could not perform or miracles or intervene in their life. Why? Because of their pride, their familiarity, their lack of respect for who Jesus really was. He wasn't just the Son of Mary. He was the Son of God. And sometimes we just treat Jesus like our homie. It's a little side, it's a little side we have with our meal. It's something we grab off the shelf when we're feeling bad about ourselves. We don't, we don't hold God in the highest place and position in our life. We need to humble ourselves. We need to do what John said. I must decrease so he can increase. And as I decrease, I will see him high and lifted up in his glory fill the temple. I will see him as he is. And I will see me as I am. When I lose respect, I lose relationship. When I lose relationship, I lose God's interventions in my life. And God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Can I have an amen? amen. What else can I do to see him? Number four. Are you handling this? It's a strong word for the new year. Number four, so I can see him, I have to trust the people to lead me through my blindness. I have to trust the people that God has put in my life when I'm suffering from spiritual blindness. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 8, it says, But they, this is the friends and the people that were around Paul, led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Sometimes we need other people to help us see what we can't see. It, 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 there's a story in Mark chapter 8 about a blind man in uh, Bethsaida. This man was blind from birth. And Jesus, they, they brought him to Jesus and said, will you pray for him? Will you touch him? Will you lay hands on him so that he could see again? And the Bible says in Mark 8, 23, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Before, we don't see this first part of the miracle. We miss this sometimes. Uh, this, this is the first thing he did was he took this guy by the hand and he takes him out of town. 
Then it says he spit on his eyes, put his hands on him, and asked him if he saw anything. And then the Bible says, he said, I see men like trees. So Jesus, the son of God, lays hands on a person after he takes him out of town, and then he starts to see partially. And then later he lays hands on him again, and he, the Bible says he could see clearly on the second occasion. Is everybody with me right now? Some of you from this story, Mark chapter 8, you need to understand something. Sometimes God's trying to help you see, but you need to let people lead you out of town. It's a figurative way of just saying, get out of the toxic environment that you are in and around the toxic people that you're about. These people are, have these predetermined, preconceived ideas about who you are and about who God is, and that's keeping you from seeing who he really is and getting vision for your life. And you need to let some people that he puts in, I promise you, God has put people in your life to help you and lead you out of town, to get you out of those environments and help you see uh, what you can't see. We all have blind spots. We all have parts in our, places in our life that we can't see clearly. I, I will never be able to see the backside of my head, but a friend can. But what happens is, is blind, when we're spiritually blind, just like a person who's literally blind, we get comfortable with our blindness. We, we like knowing, like a blind person, it's only 10 steps to the bathroom. I, I, I don't even have to see. It's just 10 steps to the bathroom. I'm comfortable with that. It's just five steps bef bef <laughs> before I get to the edge. You know, we were comfortable staying blind, but being able to get about we're okay with that. The other thing we're also comfortable with is sometimes some of you have had a vision of Jesus, but you need a second touch so you can see clearly. See, some of you settle for I can see better instead of getting God's best vision for your life. You're settling for a dim vision, not a clear vision. Some of you in 2020 need hands laid on you, need a desperation, a humility, a fresh vision of Jesus so that you don't just see people as trees. You see clearly what God is trying to do in and through your life. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Come on. But we settle. We settle. You need people that are going to help you. That's why we do church the way we do. Community. Groups. Because when you're in a group, we, we all can see each other. That's why we do next steps to give you a path. This is your next step. Here, let me lead you out of that into what God has for you. But you need to take those next steps. You need to make those moves. Better, this guy would not have received a miracle had he not gotten out of town. Jesus, the son of God, could have probably done the miracle right then, but I think he left us instructions on how to get out of our spiritual blindness by letting people lead us, letting people take us by the hand. Are you there with me, everybody? Are you willing to let somebody do that? Are you willing uh, to let somebody lead you? Are you willing to, to ask and are you, are you prepared to ask for a fresh touch again from God? Just say that. Say, I need another touch from God on my eyes, my spiritual eyes in Jesus' name. Give me a fresh touch on my eyes. Some of you are, are what I call second half people. You're in the second half of your life, and you, because you did X, Y, Z before, you had a first touch experience. God's, you're, you're, you're resigned. You think you're done. You're not done. Your best days are ahead of you in Jesus' name. You, you, need, you just have way more ministry in you than, than you've allowed God. You're just seeing partially. God has more for you. You need to ask for a second touch. Some of you are maybe young people. You haven't, you haven't had a vision of Jesus. You need a fresh touch. You need a first touch of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's the fifth point. 
What can I do to just to see him more completely? Number five, and we're in this right now, we pray and fast through blindness. We pray and fast. Acts 9, 9 and Acts 9, 11. Paul, Paul, it says about Paul, and he was three days without his sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Verse 11, it says, and, and, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul, for behold, he is praying. You can see from the context of Acts chapter 9, Paul is without his sight, and his response to being blind was to pray and fast. When you're blind, when you can't see right, don't complain about it, and don't keep walking blind. Fast and pray. What is fasting and prayer? We have tons of resources, by the way, about fasting and prayer, but let me just in a nutshell say this. It's first of all, not an elite spiritual discipline. It's an elementary one. So if that seems elite to you, you need to step up your game. Okay? Because it's all over the Bible. That's what everybody did. That's how far away we are from being true converts in Christ Jesus. We're so far away that if you introduce this concept of fasting, it kind of blows. Now, if you're brand new to faith, of course, it's new to you. But some of you have been in the faith a long time. You're like, <laughs> fasting. Get it together. God's trying to get you disconnected from the world and more connected to him. You, you undernourish the flesh and you overnourish the spirit. That's all fasting and prayer is, okay? And you don't just fast without prayer. That's just punitive. You don't want to do something punitive without having the corresponding power that comes with it. Jesus prayed for 40 days, 40 days. I'm not, not suggesting anybody do that. And at the end of 40 days, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. See, he wasn't weak. He was stronger when he fasted and prayed. Fasting and prayer will not make you weaker. It will make you stronger. Well, I'll be weak in my flesh. Yeah, that would be good for you. But your spirit will be so, so, so strong. You're putting your spirit back as king of the hill of your soul. You'll always be stronger. You'll be able to say no to temptation. You'll be able to say no to the things of the flesh. You'll be able to say yes to what God says. You'll see more results for what God is doing and speaking in through your life, and you'll have vision, and it'll be clear, and it won't be dim because you fasted and you prayed. So we have these resources at Guest Central, prayer guides, 21-day uh, devotional, how to fast and pray, seven easy steps. That's, that's right here physically for anybody at Guest Central. And then you can go online at our website, weconnect.cc. Click events, and you'll see 21 days of prayer, and there's a bajillion resources on there. And that's an exaggeration, but there's a gazillion resources on there about fasting and prayer. Can I have an amen? It will strengthen uh, your vision. Here's what I want to do. I've got two, three little points that are about prayer after service that I'm going to give you in just a second. But the first thing I want to do is this. I want to ask kind of two questions, and, and it's really from the story. Who is Jesus to you? I think, I think that God is looking for, a there's a result of being born again, truly born of the Spirit. And a lot of times I'm like kind of soft about this, but I know the Holy Spirit told me in 2020 that he is looking for true converts. You will get swept away in this world if you don't fully surrender to Jesus Christ. We are living in dark times, difficult days. I'm not going to candy coat it. This world has some trouble in it. And I promise you, you need an anchor you need a source, and you need a confidence in that anchor and in that source, and that is Jesus Christ. And it's time. Today is this day of salvation for some of you. Who is Jesus to you? 
And then when you respond to that and say, you know what? I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. I believe he loves me and gave himself for me. And I want to give my life to him. Then your response should be, what do you want me to do, Lord? What would you have me do? That's what Saul said. So I want to give you that chance with every head bowed, every eye closed. And even if you're listening online and you're, you're on the online campus, this is your chance. Just kind of like, just be very, very still. We're going to have a couple of points. So this is my opportunity to capture your attention. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe today is a significant day. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus fully, truly, I was never the same after that. That's what I'm saying to you, sir, man, boy, or girl. Today could be your day. We could look back at this day, and it wasn't just a little, I raised my hand. A lot of people raised their hand and responded to altar calls, and they're not saved. I'm saying confess with your mouth today. Believe in your heart and make a decision that there's a line in the sand where I will, I want to know him, and I want to be like him from this day forward. If you know that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you know that's you, that today, the Holy Spirit has been speaking you to this message. He's right. No, God's right. And God's right on the money trying to talk to you and pull you from death to life, from living half-hearted and halfway and half in to all in, all out, sold out. If that's you, I want you to boldly raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life. I want to be a true convert. I mean, you may have prayed the prayer many, many times, 25 times before, but today you're truly getting saved. Good night. Don't miss it. Be courageous. Be courageous. You confess me before men. I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. God bless you. God bless all over the room. All over the room. We had 15 decisions in the last service. It's, it's no different in this service. You listen online. You go ahead and raise your hand right there where you are. Just say, that's me, Pastor. I can't hear you, but God can. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down now. I want you to pray this with me. I want you to say it from your heart. I want you to believe it with your mouth. Something supernatural is going to happen right now. You're going to be a different person. Say this. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody join him. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. Today I'm drawing a line in the sand. I want to be a true convert. I don't want just the heaven package. I want to live for you on earth. I surrender to you as Lord. I know you're my Savior. But today I make you Lord of my life. I give you the wheel of my life. And I pray today that I have a fresh vision of who you are in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer sincerely, seal it until the day of redemption, Lord. To the day you return, Lord, when you call us all home, we'll know that we're going with you. We're, we're on your team. We're in the family of God. I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, lives would be changed from this prayer because they meant it. They said what they said, and they meant it from their heart, Lord, and they're different in Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Now, in a few minutes, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to lay a little prescription for you. Some of you are going to do something you haven't done in a long time. You're going to come down, and you're going to get prayer. We're going to have a prayer team come down front. And this is what I, this is what I recommend. To get personal vision for your life, I'm going to follow what this, this, this text told us. It says in Acts 9, 12, it says, and in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Some of you need to have your spiritual eyes open. The way to do that is have somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. And so when you come for prayer at the end of service today, you're coming, some of you to get a first-time vision, and some of you to get a second touch or a fresh vision of Jesus by the laying on of hands. The second thing I would say is this, number eight, write this down, uh, number seven, excuse me, expect a physical response to your spiritual request. See, when Paul 
uh, had his hands laid on him. In verse 18, it says, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose, and then he was baptized. You need to, when you come for prayer, don't put all the weight on the person praying for you. Come with expectation and faith that you will see what it is you are asking for. You need to expect a, a natural response to your spiritual request. A lot of things are not happening in your life because you have a low or no expectation. Have somebody lay hands on you, expect something to happen. Now, lastly, my final point, and I have a little story with this one. Write this down. A sign that you've had a fresh vision of Jesus is you tell people what you see. You tell people what you see. Verse uh, 20, it says it like this. Paul, after he had his eyes opened, after he received vision from Jesus, it said immediately he what? Immediately he preached. Is that there? Immediately he what? Come on, say it. Immediately he preached. He couldn't help telling people about what he saw and what happened to him. A sign that you are truly converted, that you are truly a follower of God, that you have seen Jesus is you don't just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, but you tell people and you live for him. Can I have a better amen from this church right now? You need to give away what God's giving you. I just led somebody to Jesus yesterday. It's a glorious feeling to lead somebody and to cross the line of faith. One day, some of you may not believe this or know this, but this is still true. You're going to stand before God and there's going to be these judgments. What did you do with my son? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with my son? There's going to be a line. And at that line, there's going to be a division and it goes to two lines. We all live somewhere forever. Some are going to go with God and some are not. This is what God spoke to me just the other day. I had a picture and it was so moving and motivating. This is what happens when you get fresh vision. It motivates you to live a faith-filled life and a faithful life for him. You need to be faithful, not just to do what he says, but faithful to share the good news. Eternity is in your hands. You're the paper boy. He's the good news. You have to give away what he's given you. Are you with me, everybody? So I saw myself standing in line going to meet Jesus, and I knew the answer, so I knew I was going to be okay with him. And I saw friends in the other line, and they were yelling at me. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you just say something, Derek? And I don't think it's all on me, but I think some of it's on me. Because I need to be faithful as a true convert to share and to give away what God's given. Christianity is breathing. You take it in, you give it away. You inhale, you exhale. Listen, if you haven't shared your faith, that's a sign that you need fresh vision from Jesus. And you need to come and receive prayer. Can I have an amen? Can we give the Lord a big hand clap right now? I love you guys. Thank you for listening to this powerful word. In Jesus' name.